Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner Podcast. I hope you're all having a great day, a great start to the week. If you're listening to this on a Monday, I hope you're turning your I have to's into I get to's. That's always super helpful for me when I'm feeling burnt out or tired or unmotivated. Try to tell myself, it's not that I have to go to work. It's not that I have to write this report. It's not that I have to do this task. It's that I get to. And it's all I ever wanted was to be an SLP and look how hard I've worked to come here. So I think it's so important to remind ourselves of how far we've come, that we're we're on the journey to where we want to be or we're already here and really trying to come from that glass half full perspective. And I'm also telling this to myself as a reminder to myself because I'm recording this right now. It is the very end of November. This is going to come out in, the, in December though, but we're right near the holidays. This time can be so exciting. It can be stressful. It can be overwhelming. It can be lonely. I know the holidays are um, amazing for some people and for others. If they've maybe lost a loved one or they're having challenges with their family, it can actually be really lonely and isolating. So I just want everyone to know that one day at a time, you're not alone um, and you're doing the best you can. So I hope you enjoy the podcast today. This one's really mostly for grad students or SLPs to be. Um, I did a Q&A recently on Instagram and so many of my questions were um, basically advice on how to get into grad school. So whenever I get a lot of questions of the same topic, I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe it's time to do a solo episode on this topic. I've recorded things like this in the past, but I grow and I change and my thoughts change. So I'm just going to go over a few of my top tips. Like, what do I think the number one thing that you need to get into grad school is? I think it's a high GPA. To get into SLP grad school, it's so competitive. I would look at the competitive grades. I'd look at the averages that they accepted. And then I would, in your mind, tell yourself it's even higher. I think I had like a 91% when I got in. And I didn't get enough wait list. I got in right away. I got into all the schools I wanted. But I did have that higher GPA. I know for some programs like med school, you need like 94% or higher, you know, like some, it's just madness. Of course, there's always going to be people who got in with a lower GPA, but if you really want to not play it safe, but just really not worry about your GPA, I would say like aim high, aim high. Um, I've even heard people say like an A minus is really low for grad school. Every grad school is different, but... If you want to hear my opinion, I would say the first and biggest thing you need to do is make sure you have a high GPA. So definitely focus on maintaining your GPA, having high grades, and having a very competitive average. I would definitely think things through like, for example, I chose not to apply to University of Toronto because they required an extra stats class. And I thought, should I potentially lower my average by taking another stats class or should I apply to just one less school and maintain a high average? And I decided I'm not going to apply to U of T. I'm not going to take that extra stats class. I'm going to maintain my high average and not risk it. You need to think these things through. You need to be careful when you're choosing classes. You need to choose electives that you know you're going to get a high um, mark in. Like I wouldn't mess around and like, of course, we all want to think, oh, just 
take your electives and what you're interested in. No, I would not recommend doing that. I would recommend playing it really smart, like a chess game. Like, okay, if I take this class, I can get this high average. That's really good. That'll help boost my GPA on and on and on. Really don't mess around with your electives. Like psych courses often um, can actually be pretty tricky to get a high GPA in. So like things like that, maybe they're super interesting, but maybe not Maybe not the elective for you, you know? So just every school is different. Once again, my biggest opinion is have a high GPA. I have seen way too many people have all the experience in the world, research, great reference letters. And if you don't have that high GPA, it's just, it's going to end up being so challenging. It's really hard to get around and it's really hard to boost once it drops. So high GPA, number one. Number two, get experience in this field whether it's working with children with special needs, whether it's working under an SLP, whether it's volunteering at a summer camp, whether it's working at um, different community centers to work with little kids. Get experience in any way you can with children, preferably children with special needs, children with any sort of disability. The application team's really wanting experience. I know that's a huge one. If you don't have any experience, that's not great. And in my perspective, I don't even think experience is important because you're going to be a better SLP because you have all this experience. Of course, that's going to make an impact, but like, let's be honest, when we're going into our master's program, we really don't know a lot about SLP. Like we might think we do, but the learning curve just continues, you know? Um, but I think it just shows that you're committed to the field. You're committed to being an SLP and you have the patience and you have the dedication and perseverance to stick with things, that you aren't flaky, that you can show up to commitments, that this wasn't just a decision you made on a whim, like you took it seriously and you planned ahead. And I think all of that's really important. Personally, I don't think it matters if it's volunteer or work experience. A lot of my experience was work. I, I kind of had both. Like I would volunteer with an SLP. I also worked at a Down syndrome research foundation for a summer. I had nannied a child who was slightly delayed, but I they were just a preemie. I don't even think I put that, but I had that experience working with a toddler. It's all important. I, I honestly, I think volunteer experience is wonderful and that we can volunteer our time. But at the same time, I know for a lot of students, that's just not going to be realistic. Like when they're paying their way through school, they have bills to pay. Maybe they're not getting very much support from family, etc. I think don't, don't worry about it. Like even a nannying job can be look great on a resume for SLP because it's showing that you have patience to work with young children it's showing that you can communicate effectively with parents and that you can maintain a commitment so i think that all looks good even volunteering like once a week for a long period of time looks great i think that maintaining a commitment looks better than like 25 different things for one day i think that commitment piece looks really good so if you can maintain a commitment to um a certain volunteer place even if it's like once a week for an hour i think that looks really good on a resume versus um less time spent at a place. The next thing I would say would be research. So I remember I, when I was looking for volunteer work, I would, I was constantly emailing SLPs. I would Google like private practice SLPs in Vancouver and I would email every SLP, like literally a hundred emails. And I'd be like, hi, my name is Shannon Briggs. I'm an undergrad. I'm looking for, um, any experience at all would you have a volunteer spot at your clinic or could I even observe I was constantly reaching out to SLPs to try to get experience one SLP was like look I really don't have a lot for you but you can still come and we can have a chat which was super nice so I went to her clinic we sat down and we had a chat she's like okay 
what do you want to do on and on and on asking all these questions i said i really want to be a slp i want to work in pediatrics this is my experience i have so far she's like okay that's all great but do you have any research experience and this was entering third year and i was like honestly no but like i don't know i don't know how important it is like i i feel like i really don't know much about how that um how that is like taken into consideration with the application department i'm not sure i don't really know what to do she was like let me tell you you need some research you don't need to be publishing papers with your name on it but you need to be having some sort of volunteer experience at a research lab at least so i decided i already had a lot of commitments with working for slp um for jobs that i thought would help me get into the program and i had some volunteer stuff going on so i thought okay i'm gonna reach out to a prof that i really want to get a reference letter from Make sure this is a professor that you got a good mark in the class. If you didn't get a good mark in the class, one, don't ask for a reference letter. Two, don't do research in their lab. You need to like think about this very strategically. So think about a professor that you really like. Hopefully they know your name. If they don't know your name, this is a red flag. Like you need to, I'm going to jump into reference letters after, but like if you're asking for a reference letter and you think if they saw you, they wouldn't know your name, you can't ask them for a reference letter. They have, they're going to have nothing to say. So I'll talk about ways you can make sure they know you but I would say for research think about okay what professor did I like what professor knows me what professor do I want a reference letter from and hopefully you like their class I'm assuming that usually goes hand in hand so I had this one professor at UBC I really liked her I wanted a reference letter from her I knew she knew my name she knew a little bit about me so I was like okay I emailed her and I was like, hi, I'm looking for volunteer experience. I'm really interested in doing anything to help out at the research lab. I'm really open to whatever you might have available. Please let me know if this is um, something that I could chat more about with you. So she said, for sure, we always have stuff we could do. And let me tell you, it was mind numbing, the tasks I did. I would do data collection for hours and hours and hours on end. It was just like endless data collection. I had my name in the bottom, like credits of the research paper, did not get my name on the research paper, whatever. Like some people would be really upset about that. I wasn't too upset about it because I really had no idea what was going on with the project. I just was doing the data collection. It ended up being wonderful because I got a reference letter from her. I had my research experience for over a year at that research lab and it all worked out. So you don't need to know so much about stats and everything to work in a research lab or volunteer in a research lab. Like literally I would do mind numbing data collection with Netflix on at my house and then send it to her, which looks good because I'm doing all this hours of work. But like, don't worry if you feel like, oh, I'm intimidated to do anything in a research lab. Like you never know what kind of tasks you're going to get. I honestly would have preferred a more <laughs> interesting task, but take what you can get, you know? So I didn't get into research in first or second year. So I had to take what I could get because a lot of the people doing more interesting stuff at the lab, they'd been there ever since first year. So if you're a first year, that's a good idea. You could get in, you could do an undergrad, like a thesis, like that would be great. But if you're like me and you kind of left it to the last year or two, take what you can get. Last thing I'm going to touch on is reference letters. Reference letters, I think are something that we leave to an afterthought and it's kind of like, oh yeah, and then I'll make sure I get a good reference letter after I do all this stuff. Once again, you're going to play the long game. You have to be thinking about reference letters as soon as you start thinking about that you want to apply to the SLP program. My brother's a professor and I'm going to let you know some pieces of advice he gave me because he gets asked constantly by students to write reference letters for him. Number one, like I said, if you didn't get a good mark in their class, you cannot ask them for a reference letter. 
that's not good. They that just no. You need to have had a very good mark in their class to ask for a reference letter. Number two, you need to ask for a reference letter almost a year in advance. My brother said every time September rolls around, students start asking, can I have a reference letter? Like on and on. He's like, no, sorry. I've already committed to all these other students. I'm not going to have time. So to put it um, just a little bit more specific, I had to, let me think. I think my reference letters were due in December. So the January before, so let's say it was January 2017. Yeah, January 2017. I knew my reference letters would be due in December 2017, December 2018. I asked a year in advance. I emailed them. I said, hi. Um, I had already taken a class with them. And I just was like, I know this is very early notice, but I'll, I'll make sure to remind you if you'd like reminders, but would you please be able to write me a reference letter and just make it super nice. Um, and when you're asking for a reference letter, this is another piece of advice my brother gave me, ask for a strong letter of reference. Say, would you be able to write me a strong letter of reference? Don't ask, will you be able to write me a letter of reference? You want to emphasize a strong letter because they could just say, sure, I'll write you a letter. And it's kind of just like, a copy and paste letter they wrote for another student but a strong letter is different they're really vouching for you like they are going to write you a good letter so I asked for strong letter from my professors um and then I asked really far in advance and sent them reminders um they both asked for reminders they're like please send me reminders like they're really busy sent them reminders um and try your hardest to take another class with them this isn't always going to be realistic but try to take another class with them. That's going to be really helpful. And the one last tip I'm going to mention on reference letters is how do I make sure they know my name? How do, they, how do I make sure they know who I am? Well, one, you could volunteer at their research lab. Two, office hours should be part of your schedule. For classes that I not just needed extra help in, but like I was a keener in. So the classes that I liked, I liked the professor, I wanted a reference letter, and I knew I was doing well. I would just literally put their office hours into my schedule so for anyone listening if you're not sure what office hours are it's when either the ta like the teaching assistant or the uh professor will be in their office and they are providing help for free we can just go there and get free help like tutoring they're there to help us ask questions about anything we have we have questions about and it's usually for like maybe an hour to two hours once a week i would make sure to attend office hours every single week And I wouldn't just show up to be like annoying, like "Mm, I'm doing so well in this class. I showed up, I had made sure I would have at least one to three questions about a paper I read or about the project. They weren't questions that I already knew the answer to. I, no matter what, I always had a question. If you don't have questions, it's not a good sign. Like I would say you don't know really what's going on enough if you don't have a question because you should always have at least one question. That's one thing. So when you, when you first come in, hi, I'm Shannon, um, I'm in your class, introduce yourself, make sure you say your name, make sure you call them professor so-and-so or doctor so-and-so until they tell you to call them their first name. You should always err on the side of being very respectful to them and then make sure that you just keep coming and if they keep seeing your face every week, they're going to remember your name, they're going to know who you are Um, and then the other thing is when you're in class, I would try to ask a question maybe every class, or answer a question. Raise your hand up, show you're engaged, show you're involved, at least every class. You don't need to do this, I didn't do this every class, but it's just another way for them to know who you are, put a face to a name, 
that's really important. Like they should know who you are. You should be someone that they are really familiar with. And then when you ask for a reference letter, they're going to be like, oh, for sure. Like she always came to my office hours. She was so engaged in class. She did so well. Boom, done, right? Okay, I, I think that kind of sums it up. You're going to want to get a high GPA. You're going to want experience. I personally think volunteer or work, they're both great. And I think that the longer the commitment, the better. I think it looks really good to have a long-term commitment. And one thing I don't know if I mentioned, but make sure it's something you're actually interested in. So if you had asked about it in an interview, you know, you, your face lights up when you're interested. Like you seem passionate. Make sure you're interested in it. Make sure you actually want to do that. Like don't just choose something because you think it'll look good on paper. Um, research. Try to get involved in research in some capacity. And reference letters. So I really hope this helps. At the end of the day, you can try your hardest and you might still not get in. You can apply again. This happens all the time. Try your best, which if you're even listening to this podcast, you are already someone who's a step ahead. You're listening. You're preparing. You are already thinking long term. So you should already feel like you're in a pretty good place. And please don't feel like really discouraged if you don't get in. That happens all the time. I know one of my coworkers, she's brilliant. She's so smart. Her clients love her. She couldn't get into Canada, so she went to Australia. Like this happens. And what I found the most peace with when I applied was just knowing like I did my best. I was like, at the end of the day, I honestly did everything I could. If I don't get in, I know I did everything I could do. And that peace that comes with that is so, so empowering because you're like, I honestly couldn't change a thing. And that's what I want everyone to really feel like when they submit their application. Like at the end of the day, I did everything I could and hopefully it's going to work out, but I will always have peace knowing I tried my best. So just try your best and know that there is a path for you and everything will work out in the end one day at a time. You got this. I will see you guys next Monday. 